Hello and greetings everyone. I'm Pastor Edwin Strickland and I serve as the Senior Pastor of Fellowship of Champions Church International, a worldwide ministry helping people to learn to live out their God-given dreams by walking in love and living by faith. And I get to be your host and your guide for this exciting journey that we're about to take that we call Ed Talk with Pastor Strick. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Ed Talk. I am your host, Pastor Edwin Strickland, and I'm so excited that you guys are here on today. Listen, you know what we ask you to do. Anytime we share a broadcast, we ask you to help us out with some social media outreach. We ask you to help us by sharing this to your page, to your story, tagging friends and family. Just let anybody who you think would benefit from today's teaching uh, know that we are on and that we are live. We are live for another episode. I think this is episode 12 of Ed Talk. And as you can see, we're going to be talking about how to make it through tough times. Listen, I've been out the last couple of weeks, and so I haven't been doing an Ed Talk each of those weeks, but I am back, and I hope you've missed me. I've missed you guys, and we are ready to get into today's teaching. I do have a couple of announcements that I want to make before we get into today's teaching. As I've said, I wanted you to uh, go ahead and share this broadcast if you can with those who you think would benefit from hearing this. But I have a couple of general announcements that I would like to make. The first one I'd like to make is that there will be no Fellowship of Champions huddle in the month of June. There will be no Fellowship of Champions huddle in the month of June. Our next Champions huddle will be Sunday, July 9th at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. So again, uh, we were normally scheduled for June the 11th, but we will not be having a huddle in the month of June. So our next huddle will be Sunday, July 9th at 11 a.m. That gives you well over a month to plan to do whatever you need to do to make arrangements so that you can join us here on our Fayetteville campus this summer for our next champion huddle, which is July 9th at 11 a.m. I also wanted to just go ahead and mention and make you aware that our scholarship drive will be starting in the month of July. So go ahead and get ready. Start thinking about how you want to contribute. Start thinking about the people you want to tell. Uh, for those of you who don't know Fellowship of Champions, we offer two scholarships each year. One is called the FOC Academic and Leadership Scholarship. Uh, that scholarship is valued at $10,000 over a four-year period. And then we also offer what's called our James A. Young Memorial Scholarship. And that scholarship is in the amount of $4,000 over the course of four years. And so we've put information out there about how people can apply for the James A. Young Scholarship. Uh, there are details listed on our Facebook page. There's details on my page, my personal page. I've put it there. And so if you have a graduating uh, senior who graduated with the class of 2023 and they're looking to you know, add some extra scholarship to their scholarship pot, you still have a chance because our scholarship deadline is June 30th. 
And so you can go to our page. You can figure out what you need to do. You have to you have to write an essay based on the prompt that we give. You need to include your high school transcript and then also have two letters of recommendation. And those are the things that are needed uh, to our um, scholarship committee by June 30th. And then we will be announcing uh, those winners uh, shortly thereafter, and we'll be announcing them publicly uh, the weekend of July 9th of our huddle. And so uh, those scholarships will be paid prior to August 11th. And so we're just encouraging those seniors who are still trying to build up extra funds to make sure that you are aware of that. And then my last announcement I wanted to make for today, I want to remind you that tonight at 7 p.m., my wife and I will be hosting another edition of Relationships 101. Uh, we've done it five times so far. Uh, this will be month six. I've had several people reach out and say, hey, you know, it seemed like it's been a while since we did it. And I say, yeah, we only do it once a month. Uh, and I had somebody go back and, and, and watch the last two that they had missed. And so they were so excited. They sent me a message saying, hey, I can't wait for the night. I've invited all the people in my small group to attend. And so I encourage those of you who have friends or who have small groups, maybe you're a part of a ministry group, maybe you're a part of a singles group, maybe you're part of a some other kind of community group. I encourage you to join us tonight for Relationships 101. Uh, that is going to be broadcast mainly from the Edwin and Sean Strickland page. Uh, you may be able to watch it other places, but if you really want to get uh, in the community and be able to see the comments of the majority of the community, I'm asking you to make sure that you like our page. You can like our page by simply going to any web browser and typing in facebook.com slash camp strict that will get you directly to our page you can like that page you can turn on the notifications and when we go live tonight at 7 p.m central standard time you will get that notification so be sure to join us for relationships 101 we're going to be talking about unmasking unhealthy relationship dynamics and you don't want to miss it you do not want to miss it okay so again, I appreciate those of you that are here today. I'm not going to be before you long, uh, but I do want to talk to you about something that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, as a pastor, I have the opportunity to talk to so many uh, different people throughout the course of the week. Some of them I talk to in person. Some of them I talk to via email. Some of them I talk to via messenger. And one of the things that has uh, struck me as, as very interesting is the number of born-again believers who don't understand that they have been designed and engineered to overcome trouble. They have been designed and engineered to, to not just barely make it, but the Bible says that we are more than conquerors. Uh, another way that we say it is we are overcomers. In fact, we are world overcomers, right? And so one of the things that, that often uh, gets me is, is the amount of pressure. And sometimes, I'm sorry, but I have to say it like this, the little pressure that the enemy can add to our lives that seems to make us just spiral out of control, right? And, and I want to come and encourage you today. I want to speak to you today from a pastor's heart, from a leader's heart. And I want to tell you that you have been designed to make it through that every obstacle that comes your way doesn't have to be the obstacle that stops you. Every pitfall that you encounter doesn't have to be the pitfall that you fall into and are never able to get out of. 
I want to come by and tell you that every time that there is opposition that's coming against you, it doesn't mean that God is not with you. It doesn't mean that God has forsaken you. It doesn't mean that God has given up on you. The Bible tells us very clearly that in this world, we're going to have some troubles. But it also lets us know that if we are in Christ, we have already overcome those troubles. And so I'm talking to a group of people who will understand that every time a situation comes your way, you don't have to revert back to your old behaviors. You don't have to revert back to your old way of thinking. You don't have to revert back to your old way of being. You know, many of you, over 500 and something people, maybe more than that, I'll say 600, maybe 600 people uh, have joined the solemn surrender fast. And I think that's awesome. I think that's great. Um, but you have to understand that anytime you endeavor to do something for the Lord, there's going to be an opposition that comes because the Bible says clearly that you and I have an adversary. We have an adversary who wants to uh who wants to make us not be on fire for God. He wants to make us not be enthusiastic about the things of God. And so as you're going through this fast, you know, you may feel like there are things that are happening that weren't happening to you before you started to fast on June 1st. You have got to know that that is just a trick of the enemy. And you have to have the fortitude and the know-how to navigate through these tough times. Because my wife is extremely excited in her the prayer team. They're extremely excited about building this team of leaders who are going to be able to go out and train other people to be leaders so that we can cause massive, and I mean massive, uh, acceptance uh, in, in, into the kingdom of God, those who don't know Christ. But you know what you can't build any good team or any good army with? Weak people. You cannot build a strong army with a bunch of weak people. You, you can have a thousand people and they can all say, yes, we're going, we're going to do this. And then one thing happens and 700 of them turn away. You cannot build anything strong and long lasting if people are weak in their mind and weak in their spirit. And so today I want to talk about how to make it through tough times. I want to give you some tools to put in your toolkit so that you can make it through. Now, understand this. I know that each and every one of us at some point in our lives have faced or we're currently facing what could be possibly described as challenging circumstances. What's challenging for me may not be challenging for you. What's challenging for you may not be challenging for me. What's challenging for both of us may not be challenging for somebody else. But we've all faced something that we would declare or we would say is challenging. Listen, we face times of hardship, whether they be personal, whether they be professional or societal. We've all faced those tough times. And oftentimes, if we aren't careful, those hardships, those, my wife and I call them sucker punches, those sucker punches sometimes can leave you feeling overwhelmed, uh, even if you're a believer. You know, I, it's, it's, it's this idea sometimes we have that if we're believers in Christ, that nothing is ever supposed to shake us. And the reality is, is that there are things that happen to us that we didn't count on. And it's not that our faith is shaken, but it's not something that we planned. And when it's not something that we plan, we get a little off balance. But that's the reason we use the word as an anchor. 
Because even if I sway left or I sway right or I go forward or backwards, I'm being anchored by God's word. And that's the reason if you're going to make it through tough times, God's word has to be the fundamental thing that you have in your life. It must be the foundation of God's word if you're going to make it through any kind of tough time. And you have to understand that it's doing these moments, these moments of overwhelming feelings that the enemy wants us to question our ability to cope. He wants us to question our ability to endure. He wants us to question uh, our desire to persist or to overcome. He wants us to go back into this thing of, well, maybe that's not for me. Maybe saving souls is not what God called me to. Maybe being debt free is not what God called me to. Maybe uh, being healthy is not what God called me to. Maybe having great relationships is not what God called me to. Because the enemy wants to use these opportunities of opposition. He wants to use these practical pitfalls and he wants to use these times of, of 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 doubt and unbelief to cause us to give up on the word that God has given us. And the perfect time to do that is in times of the storm or in what we call tough times. We must understand that life as we know is a journey. Okay. It is a journey. It's not a sprint. It's a journey. And that journey has highs and lows in it. It has triumphs and it has trials in it. And if you think for a moment that your life is just going to be rosy all the time, then you set yourself up for failure because that's not what life is like. Life is unpredictable. It's an unpredictable voyage. It's an unpredictable journey that doesn't always take us where we're planning to go. Of course, there will be days of sunshine and praise God for, sun, for sunshine and clear skies. But there's also going to be those times and those days of storms in those times of uncertainty and doubt. We're going to uh, encourage some rough seas. And if you don't learn how to navigate the rough seas, then every time the enemy wants to get you off track, Every time the enemy wants to cause you to, to self-doubt, all he has to do is allow something in this earth realm to, to happen to you so that you'll get your mind off of God and begin to focus on whatever it is with your five senses. Because if the enemy can get you to focus on your problems and your situations and your circumstance via your five senses, he's already got you beat. Why? Because the Bible says that he is the prince of this world, of this air, right? So, so everything that's temporal, things that we can see and touch and smell and taste and feel, all of those things, the enemy has the ability to manipulate those things. But what he can't control is the power and, 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 and the finality of God's word. And so if God's word says you're going to make it through, then it doesn't matter what the storm feels like. It doesn't matter what the pitfall is like. It doesn't matter what the delay may be. Why? Because the final word and the final authority says we are making it through. But if you don't learn to navigate your emotions, if you don't learn to navigate your feelings while you're in the tough time, those tough times will tear you up. They will make you question yourself. They'll make you question God. They'll make you question people in your community, your environment. They'll make you, they'll make you question your thoughts. They'll make you question everything. 
And so that's why I want to talk to you today about making it through and what are some tools you need to make it through tough times. There's an old saying that says something like this. It says, we may not always have control over the weather, but we do have the power to adjust ourselves. So we may not be able to control what happens to us in life because you can't control everything. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen in the economy. You don't know what's going to happen on your job. You don't know what's going to happen in your family. You don't know who's going to live or who's going to die. You, you can't control those things. But what you can control is how you adjust your sales when those things happen. And if you don't learn to adjust your sales always in the direction of God's word, then you can be tossed to and fro every time a situation comes your way. Again, I'm talking about these tough times. And as we often refer to them, they are an inevitable part of the journey of life. Sometimes they seem to come without warning, sweeping us into a sea of uncertainty. And if we aren't careful, they can, live us, they can leave us feeling lost, feeling weary and wondering about our capacity to endure. That is the reason that at Fellowship of Champions, we offer so many different opportunities to help you stay rooted in God's word. It's why Pastor Sean does strategies for success. It's why the Lord started asking me to do these uh, ed talks. It's the reason that we have prayer regularly on Wednesday and Fridays. And in the month of June, you're getting it on Wednesday and Friday, Tuesday, Thursday, Sundays, and sometimes at midnight, right? But it's up to you to stay connected. And what most people end up doing is they, they don't really stay connected. What they do is they get in the storm and they want someone to throw them a life raft. And the problem with so many people is they live their life by just having someone throw them a life raft. And what we're doing is not trying to be able to throw you a life raft. We want you to be able to be able to navigate the storm in your own boat. We don't want you to be capsized. We don't want you to be turned over. We want to give you all the tools necessary so that when life happens, and it does, and it will, you have the power to sustain the path that God has put you on. The journey through hardship is not a path that anyone would choose to take. No one's out here looking for the roughest way to make it through. But anybody who can tell you that they've ever accomplished anything, they had to learn to go through some adversity to conquer it. So if you're going to win souls, it's not like the enemy's just going to step back and just let you win souls and, and not try to give you any opposition to doing so. And if you think that's the case, you're sadly mistaken and you're going to be disappointed. And he's going to end up wearing you out to such a degree. He's going to back you up off of the thing that you say is important to you. And so you got to understand that this journey of life is, 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 is full of hardships. But when you learn to hear from God, when you learn to focus on what God is saying, the things that you used to consider hardships won't even be hardships anymore. It's like the person who starts off lifting weights. The first time they're trying to bench press 125 pounds, it's difficult. But as they continue to bench press that 125 pounds, which may have been a hardship to lift at first, then it becomes easier. And now 150 pounds is the hardship. But again, as they continue to work, then the 200 pounds becomes the hardship. And then the 250 and then the 300. And before you're knowing it, they're maxing out at, at three times their body weight. Why? Because they allowed every hardship to make them better for the rest of the journey. And I'm saying to you that that has got to be the mindset 
of every person who says, yes, I want to be trained to be a small group leader. Yes, I want to be trained to lead people to Christ. Yes, I want to be trained to disciple people. You cannot be a person who is going to be committed to the work of discipleship training, committed to being able to lead people in the small groups and committed to bringing clarity and light to people. If every time something happens to you, you fall apart. If every time something happens to you, you fall apart, you give up, you cave in, you quit, then the people who are following you as you are following Christ, then they're going to think that that's what believers do. But believers don't give up. Believers don't cave in and believers don't quit. If you agree with that, go ahead and put a one in the comment section. If you agree that you that as a believer, you don't give up, you don't cave in and you don't quit. I need you to see, I need to see about 47 ones in the comment section. We, we don't give up. Hard times don't cause us to give up and quit. And so today, what I want to do is I want to talk about how should we properly and how should we effectively navigate these rough waters of life? And how do we make it through the toughest of times that life invariably brings. Somebody said, well, Pastor, why, how, how do you know that, that, that life is going to be tough? Well, Jesus told us. Jesus told us that life would be tough. In John chapter 16, verse 33, one of the things he said to his disciples when he was getting ready to depart from them, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And I love that word peace. It means nothing missing and nothing broken. He says, and in this world, you will have trouble. So if you are alive and you are on planet earth, you should not be surprised when trouble comes. Jesus himself says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But then he doesn't just leave it there. He says, but take heart. In other words, he says, be at peace, be at rest, Know assuredly that I have overcome the world. And so what Jesus is saying is that if you are in me and I am in you, then while, yes, you're going to have trouble in this world, trouble won't have you. That you will be strong enough, smart enough, wise enough and, and cunning enough to overcome every problem and situation that the world has because you are in Christ and there is not a problem. There is not a situation. There is not a pitfall that Christ has not already made provision for you to be able to overcome. And so that right there is enough to give God praise for. We just have to learn to keep that at the center of our thinking when trouble comes. I have told you, uh, in, the, in, the, in the Amplify, he says it like this. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. He says, in the world, you're going to have some tribulation and distress and some suffering. That means you're going to have to go through some things. God is going to ask you to do something for him. And for time to, from time to time, you can be doing everything right and still it's a little suffering. Still, it's a little distress. Still, there's some tribulation happening. He says, but be of good courage. Take this to heart. 
if you are following my instructions, you will let your, you, your heart, your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your imagination and your intellect can remain at perfect peace, even though what's going on around you should be distressing you. What's going on around you should be causing great tribulation. What should be going on around you should cause great suffering. But once you are in Christ and you understand that this trouble don't last always, according to the book of Psalms, the Bible even says it like this. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. When is the morning? The moment you recognize that whatever you're being troubled by, whatever is stressing you, whatever is trying to hold you back has no power. Because your hope is in Christ and that hope anchors your soul. He says, in the world, you'll have tribulation and distress and suffering. But be courageous. I got any courageous people out there today. He says, be courageous. What does it mean to be courageous? He says, to be confident, to be undaunted, to be filled with joy. He's telling us how we're supposed to behave, how our posture is supposed to be when we're going through trouble. When we're going through trouble, when we're being distressed on every side, when, when we're being uh, pulled apart, when the thing that God has asked us to do seems burdensome because of all of the negative feelings that come with it. He says, how are we supposed to respond? He said, you're supposed to be courageous. He says, and that courageousness ought to show up as confidence. It ought to show up as you being undaunted. In other words, I'm unmoved. I don't care what's going on. I'm going in the direction that God has told me and whatever I got to go through is fine with me because I'm undaunted. He said, and then be filled with joy while you're doing it. You say, well, how can I do that, pastor? He says, because I have already overcome the world. And then in the Amplified, it says this, my conquest. See, Jesus has already conquered all of these troubles, all of your troubles all of your pitfalls, all your shortcomings, everything that's trying to hold you back. Jesus says, I've already conquered those things. He says, and in conquering those things, my conquest is accomplished and my victory is abiding. I wish I had somebody to agree with the Lord today and say, my victory is abiding. My victory is abiding. That means even when it looks like I'm losing, I'm winning. Even when the doctor's report is not what I expected, I'm winning. Even when the relationship seems to be going through some tough times, I'm still winning. Why? Because my victory is abiding. Why? Because Jesus won the battle and I am in him. So I win the battle. Not just this one, not just the one next week, not just the one next month. Every battle I am in, I win. They sing a song at our church sometimes, and I love it. It talks about how Jesus has never lost a battle. And the, in, the, in the next phrase says, and he never will. He, he never will. You know what Jesus does for us? He kicks the feet out of doors. But if we don't understand how to solidify ourselves in Christ during the tough times, right? Because anybody can be on... on Anybody can rock with Christ when things are going well. 
Come on, somebody. All your bills are paid. You in good health. You and your boo love each other more than anything else. You, 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 you're progressing. You're, you're, you got, you, you're, you're getting promoted on your job. Everything you're doing is working out great. It's easy to love God then. It's like the Bible talks about loving the person that's easy to love. But what we're talking about today is will I stick with God with that same grip, with that same sense of tenacity when things aren't going well? And I'm going to give you some tools to learn how to do it. And then I'm going to get out of your way. So number one, the thing we want to talk about today is if we're going to learn how to be uh, in Christ and we're going to learn how to make it through tough times, then one of the things we got to learn to do is we got to learn how to make sure that we learn to be adaptable, okay? Adaptability. That's our first word for today, adaptability. What is adaptability and why do we need adaptability? Adaptability involves recognizing that change is a part of life, okay? Change is a part of life. There are times that you're going to be following God and God's going to tell you to go a different direction. And you've got to learn to be adaptable so that when God tells you to change direction, you're not so rigid in that you are going to keep doing what God told you to do rather than what God is telling you to do. Somebody says, how does that make any sense? Being adaptable is what happened when Abraham took Isaac up on that mountain. What do you mean? He told Abraham to go and sacrifice his son. And that is what he had the intent to do. So much so, the Bible says that they went up there, they built an altar. He laid Isaac uh, out on that altar. And when he got ready to kill him, the Lord said, wait. He says, I have something else for you. I got a ram in the bush. But see, if you're not adaptable, God can tell you to do something. And even when God's telling you to wait and go a different direction, you can be so rigid that you say, no, I'm going to keep doing it this way. See, God may give you a way to win someone to Christ today, but tomorrow he may give you a different way to do it. And so you got to learn to be adaptable. You got to learn to be adaptable. Being adaptable doesn't mean giving up. It simply means finding a new and different way to reach the established goal or readjusting your plans to fit the new reality. If you're going to be a soul winner for Christ, you got to be adaptable because God has a multitude of ways of reaching those people you say you want to reach. You know, Pastor Sean and I were talking about these small groups that we're going to eventually have and how FOC is going to spread all across the country. And, and while we have a model that we can follow, when we get into that model, we can't be so rigid to the model that, that we don't hear what, what the Holy Spirit is telling us to do for today's time, what Holy Spirit is telling us to do specifically for our church. And so the same thing is for you. When you're going through something and it's difficult, you have to ask yourself, is this still the way God wants me to do it? That's why you got to always be talking to God, always be hearing God, because what God told you to do today may not be what he tells you to do tomorrow. Just because who he is doesn't change doesn't mean his methodology won't change. And so you have to learn to be adaptable. Where do we see that in Scripture? Philippians chapter four, verse 12 through 13 tells us about being adaptable. It says, I know what it is to be in need. This is the Apostle Paul. 
He says, and I know what it is to have a whole lot. He says, I have also learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. He says, whether I am well fed or whether I am starving, whether I'm living in plenty or in want. He said, here is the key. I can do all things through him that strengthens me. Now, notice this. What I'm adaptable because as long as I'm in him, I have the same strength. That's the reason I can be adaptable to the way God wants me to move, to the thing God wants me to do. Philippians 4, 12 through 13. Philippians 4, 12 through 13. The Apostle Paul is talking there and he basically says, listen, I've, I found out the secret. I know the secret to this. The secret to this is learning to be content, whether I have a lot or a little. It's being content, whether I'm hungry or whether I'm well fed. He said, it's, it's whether I have a lot of money or no money. He said, the secret is, is that even though I'm adaptable to those varying situations, here's the key. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. James chapter one, verse two through four, pretty much tells us the same thing. We're talking about adaptability. He says, we ought to consider it pure joy. Whenever we face trials of many kinds, why? Because we like trials? No, he says, because you know that the testing of your faith, these trials, these pitfalls, these roadblocks, these situations, these things that you are going through, he said, there's a testing of your faith. And what that faith, what that testing does is it builds perseverance in you. It, it causes you to have some stick to itness. It causes you not to be so easily offended, so easily afraid, so easily deterred because something is going against the way you thought it would go. He says, know this, the trying of your faith builds up perseverance. He says, and then what you can do is let that perseverance finish its work in you. That's why some of y'all be praying, Lord, get me out of this situation. Lord, deliver me. Lord, don't let this happen to me. Some of you need to be saying, instead of saying that, you be saying, Lord, teach me what I need to know why I go through this process. Why? Because what does that perseverance do? If you let it finish its work in you, the Bible says, James 1, 2 through 4 again, it causes you to be mature and complete. Mature and complete. And I love the last part of this, not lacking anything. When I become adaptable, to the way God wants me to move, I lack nothing. My adaptability causes me to never be in lack. You know, you think about when Jesus told the prophet, he told the prophet to, to go back, to go and, and set himself by the brook. And, and while he was by the brook, uh, you know, he, he had uh, ravens who brought the man food. And he had water in the brook. But the Bible says eventually the brook dried up. And, and, and so God then tells him to go and attach himself to a widow woman. Now, you got to understand the prophet had a couple of decisions he had to make. Number one, he could have said, well, that doesn't make any sense because a widow is not someone who can sustain someone else. Because during those times and in that culture, if you were widowed, you were almost guaranteed to be destitute. And so here's God telling me to leave this place that he's been providing for me and go to a place that is seemingly 
uh, a destitute place and an unsecure place. He could have decided, well, I'm just going to stay here by this brook and let the ravens keep bringing me bread. But if he had disobeyed God, then what used to be provision for him now would have not been provision for him. Somebody's going to get this. This is going to make sense to somebody that what is happening for you right now, for some of you, you are still in the place that God called you to, but you're not in the place that he's calling you to. Let me say that again. You're in the place that God called you to, but you're not going to the place where he's calling you to. But when he called the man to the brook, he provided for him. But once God gave him information to go someplace else, then he was no longer obligated to provide for him in the place where he was. Are, are you getting that? And so when he left and went to the widow woman, even though it was a place that seemed like it seemed like oh, with his natural five senses that he would not be able to be sustained in that type of place. But because he had adaptability, because he trusted God, he moved from the river, he moved from the ravens taking care of him, and he went to the woman who, when he went to her, said, hey, give me something to drink and something to eat. And she said to him, man of God, I ain't got nothing for you. She said, all I got is a little bit of meal and a little oil. I'm going to make a little cake and me and my son are going to eat it and die. And now it's her time to be adaptable because that's what that's what her plan was to eat and die. But the man of God said, no, I beg you go make me some first. And so now she has to make a decision. Is she going to be adaptable? Is she going to stick to eating the bread and drinking the water, being her last meal? And are they going to die after that? Or is she going to trust the man of God who said, no, give me some first because God sent me here. Well, you know the story. She obeys. And the Bible says that her and her son did eat for three years. And so some of you are in jobs. Hear me. Some of you are in jobs that God called you to. But he's been calling you to something else for the last two years. But because you like the people, but because you like the city, you like the boss, even though it's not paying you enough, it's not giving you enough op op upward mobility. You're staying there because you said, well, they, God opened this door for me when I got the job. Yes, but now he's calling you to someplace else and you got to be able to trust him for the next. Somebody put that in the comment section. Say, I trust God for my next. I trust God for my next. So number one, adaptability. You got to learn to be adaptable. I trust God for my next. The second thing you have to do, and you hear me talk about this a lot, I talk about this and probably almost I, I find a way to work this into my ear talks probably every time. And that is you have to learn to build resiliency. You have to learn to build resiliency. What is resilience? What does it mean to be resilient? Resiliency is about your ability to bounce back from adversity. It's about your ability to bounce back from trauma and from stress. Some of you, the enemy doesn't even have to work hard because what he does is he does one thing. And because you've lacked the fortitude to build resiliency in your life, you have no bounce back. You're still upset about a job you didn't get four years ago. 
when God has opened many, many doors since then, but you wouldn't walk through them because you're concerned about the one you didn't get four years ago. You got to learn to have some snapback. If you're going to be in the body of Christ and if you're going to be a person who's going to win souls, you got to have some resiliency. Why? Because every person you offer the gospel to is not going to say yes the first time. And if you get 50 no's, is that going to deter you from giving your 51st offer? And if it does, then you might miss out on that 51st person who was going to say yes because you were deterred by the 50 no's or the 40 no's or the 30 no's or the 20 no's or the, or the 10 no's or for some of you, sadly, the first no. You cannot let no stop you. You must build resiliency. And when I talk about resiliency, it's not about ignoring negative events or negative feelings. I'm not telling you to be a robot, but I am telling you that you got to learn to acknowledge them, get over them and move forward. You can build resilience through various strategies. Part of it is learning how to foster positive relationships. Part of the reason Jesus sent the disciples out two by two was so when they got those rejections and people told them no, they could encourage each other. So you need to make sure that you're building positive community in your life. You need to make sure that you are maintaining a hopeful outlook. Listen, when it comes to soul winning, you got to always believe that your next offer is going to be a yes. I don't care if you get 20 people tell you, I'm not interested in that Jesus mess. Don't talk to me about that. The church sucks. All of them are a bunch of hypocrites. I don't want to hear about that. Get off my doorstep. Don't talk to me. Leave me alone. No, you can't pray for me. Is that going to stop you from praying for the next person? And if it does, then I'm telling you, you are not yet fit for kingdom work. You got to be resilient. And you got to learn to build up this resiliency. The Bible gives us some insight into building resiliency. Second Corinthians chapter four, <clears throat> verse eight through nine. It says, we are hard pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. Somebody ought to give God some praise. We are hard pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are not perplexed either. It says, but not in, we are not in despair. We are not persecuted and we are not abandoned. We are not struck down and we are not destroyed. Did you hear that? That's why you know you ought to be building resiliency. Because when tough things happen to us, we rely back to the word. What does the word say? We are not hard pressed on every side. It's, 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 we, we are hard pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. I may be pressed, but I ain't crushed. I may be pressed, but I'm not perplexed. I may be feeling pressure, but I'm not in despair. I may be feeling pressure, but I'm not persecuted. I may feel some pressure, but I'm not abandoned. I may feel some pressure, but I am not struck down and I am not destroyed. And you got to get to the place that that, if nothing else, that's got to be your mindset. I'm not, I, I, I'm not perplexed. I'm not crushed. I'm not in despair. 
I am not persecuted. I'm not abandoned. I have not been struck down and I am not destroyed. I say it like this all the time. So many times when negative things happen in my life, I look at myself in a mirror and I say, boy, you have been designed and engineered for success. You have been designed and engineered to overcome every obstacle. I look at that mirror and I say, what's happening to you right now is just temporal. What God has said about you is eternal. And I began to speak to myself and I began to declare to myself that what 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9 says about me is true. It is true. So we got to learn to build some resiliency. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4 helps me with this resiliency building. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, it says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering, here it is again, produces perseverance. Now that's two different places we've seen this. That's two different places we've seen that suffering produces perseverance or stick to itness. It says perseverance then produces character in us. And then that character produces hope in us. And then that hope in us becomes an anchor for our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, our imagination, and our intellect. So when bad things get to happening, I don't lose my mind. I don't turn my back on God. I don't give up. I don't cave in. And I don't quit. Why? Because I understand that I am resilient. God has made me this way. Somebody type in the comments, say, I am resilient. Come on, somebody says, I am resilient. I know you've been through some bad stuff. I know some mean stuff happened to you in your childhood. I know some unthinkable things have happened to you. I know some folk done touched you in ways you shouldn't have been touched. I know that folks done made fun of you. I know that you didn't grow up with a lot of money. And so folks made fun of the clothes you wore. They made fun of the car that your parents drove. They made fun of you. They talked about you. They laughed at you. I know you've had some disappointments in your life. You've lost some people close to you. You've had family members who was there for you, who have passed away and it was suddenly and you didn't know what you were going to do. I am telling you, you are built and engineered to overcome everything that has happened, that will happen and that is happening to you. You are resilient. You're resilient. And, and, and if I was with you in person, I'd make you say, I'd make you say it like this. Doggone it, I'm resilient. Doggone it, I am resilient. I have been built and engineered just to overcome every obstacle that is in my way. God saw the obstacles. He knew what they were going to be. He knew the pitfalls I'd need to jump over or climb out of. He knew what they were going to be, and yet he has called me for this journey, so I know I'm engineered for it. All I got to do is let this thing that I'm going through build up some stick to itness in me. And when it builds up that stick to itness in me, my character is going to change. What do you mean my character is going to change? I'm not going to be easily moved. I'm not going to quit and give up every time something's a little harder than I thought it was going to be. And then that character is going to build up hope in me. And then that hope in me is going to allow me to latch on to God's word and hang on to it no matter what's going on in my life. Amen. 
So I got to be adaptable, number one. Number two, I got to build up the resiliency. And I don't just talk, I'm not talking about self-will. You need to go to the word of God and see what the word of God says about you and then let God reintroduce you to yourself so that you become resilient in the power of God and not in your own might or your own strength. And then the third thing you need to practice doing when you're going through tough times is you need to embrace learning. You need to embrace learning. What do you mean, pastor? I mean that tough times often presents us opportunities for personal growth and learning. Sometimes we are so quick to ask God to remove any pressure, any stress, or anything that we're going through that we don't really get an opportunity to learn the lesson that we should be learning by going through the thing that we're growing through. See, it's not that God puts on us troubles, right? That's not, that's not what he does. But he did understand that in this world, we would have troubles. So God, being infinitely more, wisdom, more wise than we could ever be, he said, what I'm going to do is if my people will listen, I'm going to give them the opportunity to take what the enemy is doing to them so that they can use it for them. He says, so these opportunities of trouble, they can become learning opportunities. See, understand, tough times presents opportunities for us to give up, cave in and quit, or embrace something greater and learn what we need to learn in a situation so that not only do we dominate that situation, right, but we dominate the situations that we're getting ready to face on down the road. Sometimes it can be about learning a new skill. Sometimes it can be learning how to manage your emotions, it can be about learning how to manage the situation or gaining insight about your strengths and weaknesses or how you uh, respond to the situation. This learning mindset that we must develop would not only help us to manage our current challenges, but it also will equip us with the skills necessary and the knowledge needed so that we can be useful in the, in the future. Somebody type this in the comment section. Say, I embrace learning. I embrace learning. I embrace the opportunity to learn. I embrace the opportunity to become more wise about how to move and maneuver than I did before. And so you got to see tough times as opportunities to learn. They're not just opportunities for you to crawl up in a ball and ask God to deliver you and ask God to take this, this yoke from me and, and take this burden from me. Sometimes it's like, okay, God, what can I learn going through this? If I'm, if, if I know I've been built an engineer to overcome it, but while I'm overcoming, what do I need to learn so that I can be helpful, not only to myself, but maybe somebody else who's going to have to face what I've already gone through. The Bible shares this up in Proverbs chapter one, verse five. Proverbs one, verse five says, let the wise listen and add to their learning. See, I'm not making this up. This is Bible. It says Proverbs one and five, let the wise listen and add to their learning. Some of y'all think y'all so smart, you don't have to learn anything else. But the Bible says, let the wise how do we know you're wise? Because you're willing to add to your learning. You're willing to be a lifelong learner. He says, and let the discerning get guidance. 
So notice there's this opportunity that when you're facing troubles, it's an opportunity to you to learn not only what I should or shouldn't do in this situation, but to get wisdom from others who may have gone through the situation. That's going to be the power in our small groups. That's going to be the power as we begin to literally launch FOC uh, ministries across this country and across this world. As we begin to gather people together in small groups and help them to understand, here's when we get a new convert who comes to the community, how do we help them understand how to make it through tough times? This is going to be one of the main lessons. You got to be adaptable. You got to build resiliency through the word of God and you got to embrace learning. Proverbs 18 and 5, it says the heart of the discerning. Watch this. The heart of the discerning. Proverbs 18, 15. 18, 15. The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge for the ears of the wise seek it out. There it is again. Embracing learning is what we as believers, wise believers, should be doing. Embracing learning. You know what I'm going to ask you to do? Go ahead and type in the comment section. Say, I embrace learning. That You know, Pashon has this saying that, that, that she started people saying, it is, I can do hard things. You can do hard things. But you know the easiest way to do hard things? Embrace learning. Because a hard thing didn't have to stay a hard thing. Right now, if I wanted to change out a transmission in a car, that's a hard thing for me. Why? I don't understand how to do it. But if I went and attached myself to a master mechanic and that master mechanic began to show me over and over and over the necessary things to do to, to, to drop a transmission and put a new one in, before long, changing a transmission would not be a hard thing for me. But it would always be hard to me if I don't embrace learning. So I said, oh, it's so hard for me to witness because you haven't embraced the learning process to learn how to effectively witness. But once you embrace the learning process and learn and learn how, it'll be easy for you. Oh, it's so hard for me to pray for people in public because you haven't embraced learning. When you embrace learning how to pray for people in public, it becomes easy for you. Oh, it's so hard for me to save money because you haven't embraced learning. When you learn how to save money, saving money becomes easy for you. Is that making sense? You can apply this to anything in your life that you say is hard. Yes, you can do hard things. How do you do hard things? By embracing learning. Okay. Number four, you got to learn to rely on the power of positive confessions. So many times, I think even our own church, sometimes we get away from this idea of making confessions. But the Bible tells us in so many different places that we will become the words that we say, that we will be full off of the words that we say, that we will live by the words that we say, or we will die based off the words that we say. So we got to learn that in tough times, I have built up enough positive confessions in my heart that when pressure starts to squeeze me, the only thing that comes out is a positive confession. That's the only thing that comes out is a positive confession. Why? Because I don't spend time putting those negative confessions in my heart. Because when pressure comes, pressure is going to squeeze whatever is on the inside of you out of you. And that is all it's going to squeeze. I've used this example uh, uh, 
ad, ad nauseum, but I'm going to use it again. When you take an orange and you squeeze the orange, what comes out of the orange? Orange juice. If you get a grape and you squeeze or you mash that grape, what's going to come out of it? Grape juice. Why? Because whatever is in a thing is what's going to come out of a thing. You squeeze a beet, what's going to come out of it? Beet juice. You squeeze a carrot, what's going to come out of it? The carrot juice. Why? Because whatever is in a thing is what's going to come out of a thing. So here's the question you got to ask yourself, not when you're in tough times, but today, before you face some of those tougher times, what have you spent time putting in you? What have you spent time putting in you? Because if, you if all you spent time putting in you is worldly stuff, stuff that is contrary to the word of God, then when pressure comes, how do you expect anything else to come out of you except for the world? See, when the economy goes bad and, 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 and worry comes out of you, it's because that's what's in you. What's going to come? Absolutely, Angel, that's right. What will come out of you? What's coming out of you? It's what you spent time putting in you. You spend a lot of time watching television and listening to nonsense and not embracing the word on a daily basis. You're going to get full of nonsense. But if you learn to rely on the power of positive confession, that won't happen. So I says, OK, Pastor, what are positive confessions? Well, positive confessions are simply statements that can be uh, that can help you combat negative thinking patterns and inspire you to have constructive behavior. They can help you maintain a positive mindset in times of trouble, and they can help motivate you to overcome obstacles that you didn't see were there at first. Some examples might include, you may look in the mirror or write down or have on, you know, you go to our webpage, www.foc.com. We have a place on our website where we list all kinds of confessions for all kinds of different situations. You can go there and print those off and you can practice making those confessions. One of my confessions is that, I, is that I can handle whatever comes my way as long as I partner with Christ. That's one of my confessions. I can handle whatever comes my way as long as I'm partnering with Christ. You know, one of your confessions could be something like we talked about embracing learning. Your, one of your confessions can be like I am learning and growing from every experience I encounter. That can be one of your positive confessions. I'm learning and growing from every experience I encounter. You may have some, some, some something you're going through or a bad doctor's report or having to pray for a family member. One of your confessions could be something like, I have the strength to get through this because God never leaves me helpless. Okay? Somebody asked about the website. It's www.focchurch. So FOC, like Fellowship of Champions, focchurch.com. And if you go there, uh, you can you can see everything on the website, but there's a place there that says confessions and you can get those confessions. We got confessions over marriages. We got confessions over children, confessions over careers, confessions about walking outside of our comfort zone. Why? Because we rely 
on the power of positive confession. The Bible says that life and death, life and death are in the power of our tongue. And so if you're not saying the right thing, then no wonder you're not experiencing the right thing. The Bible says in Joshua chapter one, verse nine, it says, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord, your God will be with you wherever you go. That's why so many of my confessions end or start with as long as I partner with God. I'm undefeatable as long as I partner with God. I can do anything God tells me to do as long as I partner with God. And you literally have to have those kind of confessions in your life. If you're not waking up and, and having confessions that you say every day, you need to start. One of my confessions when I was working in the actual school setting as a building principal, one of the confessions I made every day is that I was anointed to help my teachers teach and I was anointed to help my students learn. That means in every encounter, I was anointed to do it. I was anointed to do it. What has God told you to do? What has God called you to do? Are you making confessions over it? Because if not, you need to start, right? We're about to finish up. So we said, number one, we got to be adaptable. We got to learn to be adaptable. What is God telling me to do now as opposed to what he told me to do last year? And I got to be flexible and adaptable to be able to follow God. I'm following God. That doesn't mean God tells me to go somewhere and I go and then he tells me to go somewhere else. I just keep going because he told me that. I got to be adaptable. Then we said we got to learn how to build resilience. And I can't tell you how much that means to me. Some of the times I talk to people and I'm like, man, I want to just tell them what you're going through is not that big of a deal. I mean, did you have to go to the cross? Did you have to take stripes on your back, 39 of them? Were, were, were you ridiculed? Did you have your beard snatched out? Did you have a crown of thorns placed on your head? Did you have to bear the sins of the world? Well, the fact that somebody is talking about you ain't really that big a deal, is it? It's just not really that big of a deal. And so you got to learn to build some resiliency that when things happen, you snap back quickly. We talked about embracing learning, right? You got to be a lifelong learner. And then we talked about relying on the power of positive confessions. And number five, we'll end with this. You got to learn how to maintain the right perspective. You got to learn how to maintain the right perspective. Remember, tough times are a part of everyone's journey. You going through a tough time does not make you unique, okay? Does not make you unique. You as an individual are, un are unique, but your situation is not. Your situation is not unique. Everybody goes through tough times. Everybody has a journey that is rough sometimes. But what you've got to learn to do in those situations is you've got to learn to see the bigger picture. You got to learn how to maintain, maintain a long-term perspective. Think about this. Most of the troubles that you went through, they really haven't lasted a long time. They really haven't. And, and there's some people who've been through some tragedies. And don't get me wrong. I am not trying to minimize what you have been through. What I am trying to tell you is that even no matter how horrific it has been, it is not unique Somebody else has been through it too. And I am here to tell you that there is not a situation. There is not a circumstance. There is not anything that God cannot get you through. 
if you will partner with his son, Jesus, if you will allow Holy Spirit to be your paraclete, allow it to be your teacher and your guide, you can manage and get through any situation successfully because God had an answer before you had a problem. Somebody ought to type that in the comment section, say, God had my answer before I had the problem. God, had, listen, it's about 56 of y'all on here. You ought to be typing that with all your strength. God had my answer before I had a problem. That's one of the, and that's another confession you can make. When something is going on in your life, you can say, you know what? God had my answer before this problem ever showed up. So the fact that the problem showed up is indication that God already had the answer. So I don't have to stress, struggle, or strain about this problem. God has my answer. How do I know that? The Bible tells me in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, which I changed into a confession for me years ago. The Bible says it like this. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord, who have been called according to his purpose. My confession goes like this. All things work together for my good because I am called and I only go according to God's purpose. That is my confession. All things work together for my good. So even things that seem bad are working for my good. Even setbacks are working for my good. Even pitfalls are working for my good. Stressful situations are working for my good. How can you say that? Because even though I'm pressed, I'm not perplexed. Come on, somebody. Even though I may be even though I may be pressed, I'm not perplexed. I'm not I'm not uh, cast down. I'm not cut off. Why? Because I partner with God. I partner with God. I maintain the right perspective. Another way to maintain perspective that I don't think enough people do is is practicing gratitude. Practicing gratitude. Do you know that practicing gratitude can help you focus on what's going well and what you can be thankful for, which can provide more balance to your life and provide more a more balanced perspective on your situation? <clears throat> it's amazing. God will do 10 things for us, and what we'll do is focus on the one thing that we haven't had done yet. You got to practice Gratitude. Come on, y'all talking to me so well. Go ahead and type that in the comment too. Say, I practice gratitude. I practice. That's right. Daily gratitude is a must. That's right, Fit Journey Wellness. Daily gratitude is a must. I, I When you wake up in the morning, you should think about the things that you are grateful for. Some of you, I, I've told you we have relationships one-on-one tonight, and you should join us. It's going to be good. Seven o'clock tonight, we're talking about unmasking unhealthy relationship dynamics, right? That's whether you're married, whether you are engaged, whether you just got friends at work, friends at home, uh, family members, whatever relationships, we're going to be talking about that tonight. But, part of, but, but we're talking about this idea of practicing gratitude. When my wife and I didn't like each other like we like each other now, right? Everybody goes through those times. One of the things that we both learned to do is when we woke up in the morning, we didn't say it to the other person, but we learned to practice being grateful for that person in our life. I would, I would rehearse the things that I liked about my wife. 
right? I will rehearse the things that I'm grateful for. I will rehearse the things that, that, that I'm happy to have because of her, right? And I would just rehearse all of those things. And so what ended up happening is that list began to grow and grow and grow. And as it grew, the things I didn't like began to shrink. And for many of us, what we don't do enough of is we don't practice gratitude. We don't practice gratitude. That's right, Lewis. Absolutely. Thanksgiving is the key to success. What are you thankful for? Not what you don't have today, but what are you thankful that you do have? What are you thankful for all the things that you actually do have? And so it's so important for you to understand that practicing gratitude is a way to maintain perspective, right? Maintaining perspective is key because I tell the people in my church all the time, I don't care how bad you got it. I can find someone who would trade their life for yours. Oh, absolutely. I, I, there's not a... Out of the 57 people who are on this broadcast at this current moment, I guarantee you it wouldn't take me 24 hours to find 57 other people who would trade life with you. They, they, they would absolutely trade their entire life for your life. They trade their trauma for yours. They trade their money for yours. They trade their friends for yours. They train their food for yours. They would trade their career for yours. They would literally be willing in a moment to swap their life with you. So you got to remember, it may not be everything you want it to be, but you got a reason to be grateful because there is somebody out there right now waiting, waiting to have what you have. And yet many of us spend our time being ungrateful for what we have. And so if you're going to learn how to make it through tough times, you've got to learn to employ these five techniques. Let's talk about them again real quick. Adaptability. Resiliency. You got to embrace learning. You have to rely on the power of positive confession and you got to learn how to maintain your perspective. OK, if you learn to do those five things, I am telling you. The things that the enemy used to use to wear you out, he won't be able to wear you out anymore. Especially if you learn to dig in on these confessions, you learn to embrace learning, you become to be adaptable, build your resiliency, and maintain your right perspective. I'm telling you, the, it, there'll be things you won't always have to rehearse with other people anymore. There'll be stuff that'll happen to you and it'll be like water running off a duck's back. It won't even bother you anymore. Why? Because each of these points that we talked today, they represent strategies. They represent strategies for you how to change your mindset so that you can aid yourself in navigating difficult times. There's nothing wrong with having people help you, but, but every time there's a trouble, you shouldn't have to have somebody to navigate you through. At some point, you got to learn how to navigate yourself so you can reach back and help somebody else navigate. Remember, I said this before, I said again as I close, it's entirely normal to have moments of struggle. But by utilizing these strategies we talked about today on Ed Talk, you can help navigate these challenges and emerge as a stronger, more confident believer on the other side. And you will be a living testament for those who don't know the Lord to be able to understand that you can navigate your way through these tough times. Amen.
Listen, I encourage you once again, join us for Relationships 101. That is going down tonight at 7 p.m. At 7 p.m., Relationships 101. You can watch us on the Edwin and Sean Strickland page. Uh, We may broadcast it to some of the other channels, but the easiest way to get involved and see all the comments and everything that everybody's saying, because sometimes I learn stuff in the comment section, even while I'm teaching. And so I encourage you to go to www.facebook.com. You can just type that into any browser. It doesn't even have to be Facebook slash Camp Strick, right? And when you do that, it'll bring you directly to our page. You can like that page. You can hit the notifications. And when we go live at 7 p.m. tonight, you can join us. Thank you, Yvette, for joining. Thank you. I appreciate you joining us uh, for Ed Talk on today. And for all of you, uh, I appreciate you for that. And so uh, join us uh, for Relations 101. I'll be back here next Tuesday uh, at 12. Listen, tell the tell your folks, join me. I know a lot of people, uh, you know, uh, uh, come and you participate in different things, but I, I try to be consistent with Ed Talk. I was out the last two weeks, but hey, this is week 12, and so we're going strong. So I appreciate you guys for joining us. Don't forget about the Solemn Surrender uh, fast. Those of you that are fasting with us, don't forget about that. Don't forget about those prayer times. I believe the next one is on Wednesday. It's tomorrow. Tomorrow. So join us Wednesday at 7 p.m. Uh, whatever station you're watching on right now, whatever channel, you'll be able to watch uh, prayer on tomorrow night at 7. Uh, it'll be day 7 of our solemn surrender uh, fast and prayer. And so I appreciate you guys. Thank you for being here. Um, I'll see you guys next week. Join us tonight. I'll see you tonight. Have a great day. God bless.